in a, a band growing up, so I was the marketer <laughs> of the band. I was the yeah. guy doing the promotions, and I had our yeah. MySpace accounts and emailing. Uh, you know. Hello, and welcome to episode fifty-four of Rockstar CMO FM. The M is for marketing. The F is for well, you decide. As you're probably wondering, does the world need another effing marketing podcast? I'm your host, Ian Truscott, and this weekly podcast serves as my excuse to chat with marketing friends old and new that I've met through my career in various B2B marketing leadership roles as a trusted advisor analyst and with my own consulting firm. You can find us at rockstarcmo.com or rockstarcmo on Twitter and LinkedIn. This episode was recorded on Friday the 19th of March. We are a year into various states of lockdown here at Rockstar CMO Penthouse. I hope you've had a good week and you are well, safe and staying as sane as you feel you need to be. In a moment, I'll be chatting with Jeff Clark as we discuss if a marketing trend or technique is a one-hit wonder or wonderwall. This week's interview is with Ed Briolt, the CMO of Aprimo, and I'm fortunate to finish the week with a cocktail in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar with my friend and content marketing guru, Robert Rose. Right, let's get started, shall we? On to our first segment. We marketers love to be down with the cool kids dancing to the latest sound, but will that tune stand the test of time? Each week, my chum, Jeff Clark, Rockstar CMO advisor and former Serious Decisions Forrester Research Director, joins me in deciding if that marketing tune, topic, technique or trend that everyone is talking about is a one-hit wonder or wonderwall. Let's find out what's hot or not this week. Welcome back, Jeff, to Rockstar CMO FM. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great, and it is great to be back mm. on a Friday morning recording session. Well, it's Friday afternoon for me, and uh, the, uh, the next thing I've got planned, genuinely, and I know it's next thing, well, it'll be the thing after next on the show, is a cocktail with Robert Rose. So my afternoon's pretty much set, so I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I'm rolling into the weekend. Awesome. So, uh, so uh, we're going to do uh, one hit wonder or wonder wall. We're going to try and do a properly this time (laughs) (laughs) and and uh what is going to be and i've i've got irene on the show next week so we're not going to pluck from the famous irene's uh suggestions we have a different suggestion this week and it is jeff content marketing platforms (gasps) content marketing. so and just to to discuss it in the context of i mean we, we were talking about you know marketing technology just how in the MarTech world, there's so often there are, um, you know, there's a trend that comes up uh, yep. and all of a sudden a bunch of vendors who've got a lot of VC money and they're, <laughs> they're, looking to, yeah. they're looking to make some revenue. So they jump yep. on, you know, we've, I mean, we talked about some of these things like account-based marketing. So it's like all these yep. vendors jump on account-based marketing and yet it's like, yep. it's not one tool. It's a bunch of different tools or, mm-hmm. or you get the fact like with uh, con- uh uh, CDPs, you know, contact mm. uh, data platforms where all of a sudden because of privacy rules the, and the fact that contact lists, you know, stink and blah, 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 is that, is that uh, this concept comes along like, you know, content data platform. And it's like, okay, we're now all of a sudden all these people that did something else now are content mm-hmm. data platforms. And um, so when I think, that, you know, as we were discussing this, you know, beforehand, it was just that content marketing platforms or systems, CMS, CMPs, um, it, it, it's got to be a TLA of some sort, yeah. uh, is, it, it is something that has, that has popped up that, that fills a need um, uh, that's not provided by other tools. It is, uh, it is riding a trend, you know, and you, yeah. you, you, my friend, are one of the people who have, you know, been <laughs> championing that trend of content <laughs> marketing for years now. And, yes. and, um, uh, you know, and, and you know, which in itself was filling the need that people forgot about content. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, go ahead, and, and it just. And, but it, the question is that, as at least as I've observed, the the vendors and the systems is that they all of a sudden they run into issues where, um, uh, or, or maybe I should even say the people who purchase them run into issues where it's like they've got that 
tool, mm-hmm. content marketing platform. They've got, you know, market resource management, or they've got a digital asset management system or a sales asset. Manage- so all of a sudden they realize they got a bunch of tools that have overlapping capabilities mm-hmm. and they're like, what do we do with these? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, well, for, from my point of view, I mean, you, you're right. I have been banging on about content marketing for a long time, but even before that I banged on about content management. And I think content management might be the thing that people know me for most, um, if they know me at all. Um, so, so, <laughs> so web content management and content management systems. And when I saw this trend come up, I was thinking, to me, it demonstrated the fact that the CMS industry has has missed a trick, really, and that hadn't moved with the time. So for me, a content marketing platform, and I hope this doesn't offend anybody because I'm pretty keen on some of these content marketing platforms, is a very is a good CMS with a calendar on top of it, right? <laughs> so that you can schedule yeah, getting this stuff done. Workflow. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. But you would argue that a good CMS has automated workflow. But of course, then the argument is, is what do you define as a good CMS? Because you would assume, or I would assume, if I'm implementing a CMS, it's going to already have, it's going to have workflow in it, right? It's going to have the ability to separate content from presentation, which is what you want to do with a content marketing platform, right? Yeah. It's going to have some ability to manage uh, digital assets, like you, yep. you know, you, we were talking about MRM and stuff like that. It's going to have some overlap with that. But what it's probably going to lack is the ability to schedule and calendar and repurpose content in that way, that the way we think about from a content marketing perspective. So for me, it seemed like it seems to me like the, the CMS industry has missed a trick. But to your point, what happens when somebody does buy a content marketing platform? It, well, and there's another industry that missed the trick um, or another category of MarTech, which mm-hmm. is the marketing resource management um platforms mm. um, because they you know they i mean they popped up in the um gosh the late aughts uh i mean i remember looking at that and you're you're going to have one of your your next guest is going to be from one of the <laughs> yeah i think the number yeah. one ranked in the mqs and stuff uh yeah. research platform but they um you know the promise there was you know we're going to help you develop store uh track content measure performance you know the whole nine yards and they they ended up being successful in big complex you know uh, business to consumer brand companies you know like yeah. a Colgate Palmolive or something is where it's you yeah. got so many products so many assets you're creating so many countries and territories translation issues et cetera et cetera, et cetera. so the complexity yeah. so they they became very complex tools. When for most marketers, particularly in the business to business world that I've been working in, it's like they would look at that and they'd say, oh, my gosh, this is just like way too complicated. You know, I'm just trying to put content together that I can post to the website, my social platforms, my sales tools. You know, it's it's and and I just want a simplified workflow um, to do that. Um, And and so I think a lot of the tools we're thinking about have 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 done that but then they run into the issue you know that we were both alluding to which is well i did i do have a cms uh, or web mm-hmm. content management system I, I maybe i did purchase a workflow management tool uh automation tool you know like uh you know uh, work run uh right etc jira mm-hmm. so many markers have jira because they got licenses mm-hmm. from the development team and then they just yeah, like doing yeah, things yeah. with it. And, and, you know, maybe I got a tool for budgeting, um, you know, because there's a couple of kind of MRM-like tools that are just focused on budgeting performance management. So now that I've got all these things and now in came mm-hmm. the content marketing system, and if I'm yeah. trying to either consolidate or make people happy with the fact that, you know, well, we got one workflow tool over here, which is focused on content. We've got another workflow tool over here, which is focused on you know, system enhancements. And we got another mm-hmm. workflow tool that's focused on something else because we share it with IT. It, it marketers have to, you know, this is the, 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 the challenge of you got to consolidate because you just don't have the money and you don't have the skills yeah. and ability to get people up to speed using all of these different platforms. Right. But isn't it, is, is some of this, um, would you say, from your experience that when people are thinking about implementing content marketing platforms that they actually understand 
what they're trying to map. You know, what what does content marketing mean for that organization? That's what I just sudden, was just suddenly thinking about. As I was talking about, oh, look, content marketing platform is a, is a good CMS with a, with a calendar on top of it. But content marketing itself isn't just about creating content to, to, to a calendar or repurposing content. It's a, it's a bigger discipline about yeah. storytelling and stuff like that. So in your, in your experience, do you, have you seen where people have, have, have figured out what they want to do with content marketing and then gone and decided we need a platform to help with this? Well, I think, so I don't know if this answers the question directly, but if I think back to the problems they're trying to solve is like, so they're, 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 they're either trying to solve the problem of, um, you know, reusing assets, um, yeah. in the development process, not, mm-hmm. not the fact that they've got a digital asset management system that they can pull things to, to uh, recreate yeah. assets with. But in the development, they want to say, I want to create something in which I'm going to, uh, there are going to be multiple deliverables or, or assets off of that, you know, a paper, a social post, a, you know, yeah. whatever infographic. Um, so it helps solve that problem. There's also the problem of I can't measure the effectiveness of my content because mm-hmm. almost all the tools out there that do performance measurement don't get down to what did that paper webcast, blah, 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 you know, what did it do? And, yeah. and, um, uh, and then there's just the workflow issue. It's like, you know, we're, we're, we're overloaded with the way we're probably trying to do this manually. Mm-hmm. So this is giving me an automated workflow of getting approvals and edits and stuff yeah. like that. So those are yeah. kind of the three big needs. And I think the thing is that, as we've said, many of these other tools that, that, that have the overlapping capabilities just didn't do any of those things very well. Right, um, right, and so so that's where that sort of single purpose platform comes in, solves the need. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, good you, enough, right? It solves a need good enough that you've then got all this happening in one place, right? But then right. the but but a lot of also you know unfortunately with the hype cycles, you know any of these tools <laughs> we've been talking about about the hype is that yeah. you know there's a lot of tools that maybe sold themselves on the calendar feature or they yeah. sold themselves on the content um, repository feature. Yeah. Um, but then when people said, we need to, we, we need to look at a calendar. I, this actually, to me, a marketing calendar is one of those, those problems that is just amazing. They hasn't been yeah. solved. Well, it's like, it's like somebody says, or the CMO says, I, I don't want just a calendar of all of the stuff we're producing from a mm-hmm. content perspective. I want a calendar of everything. Yeah. When, yeah. When are the events? Yeah. When are the you know when's all the yeah. emails go out? When, uh, yeah. And and or what's or what's the campaign look like that includes all those little pieces mm-hmm. and stuff like that? And then it's like since the content marketing system is basically showing you what it's in control of, it's not yeah. tied to everything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is where certainly you know if we get into the technology, mm. that's where the MRM vendors that are trying to make their way into. Um, you know, the B2B space, they're trying to close that gap by saying, right. we can give you the, you know, because Hold we up. can connect to everything. Mm-hmm. We can give you the overall view. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but then it's. In, yeah. yeah. And in my experience, um, the solution, uh, and well, I mean, a lot of enterprise solutions are actually um, spreadsheets, right? <laughs> in most oh, situations. Absolutely. Absolutely. In, my, in my experience, um, this problem is being not solved, but trying to be solved through um, through C- through a content management system or web content management system that's been used the same way it has been for the last decade, 15 years, which is that you have a group of people that are specialists on creating web content in the web content management solution, and they're the only users of it. Yeah. The workflow isn't used because the rest of the, the, rest of the organization aren't going to adopt it. Workflow is actually email <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. and PDF versions of pages. And yeah. uh, any of this kind of planning happens in a Trello, an Asana, a Monday, if they're, if the organization is that sophisticated. And then from there is where you get your content calendar. So, yes. is, so I, I don't know where we're going with this at the moment, but it seems to me like, so do you think the content marketing platforms did a valiant, have done a valiant attempt on that, but it's a single use case kind of solution? Yes. Yes, a single or maybe you know two, two or three. I mean, mm. there, there could be multiple, but it's not a 
it's not a um, holistic solution. If you take any right. of the, the individual pieces, data, uh, content repository, workflow management, calendaring, yeah. planning, um, it's not a holistic solution to, to any of those. Um, right. Now, the, certainly, um, you know, I think that's where, uh, it, it, at least by knowledge of where a lot of the content marketing platforms, their, their roadmap was going was to either broaden out to compete with the MRM vendors like a Primo mm-hmm. brand maker, et cetera, mm-hmm. um, or slot themselves into uh, a particular set of use cases like sales asset management. So a content marketing platform combined with sales asset management. Now it's a little bit yeah. more holistic for a, a broader set, of, <laughs> more holistic yeah. for a, you know, a particular audience, I guess I would say. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um but then the other thing is is just thinking about um, you know marketing or you know somebody marketing ops or marketing technology that's in charge of trying to figure all this out. They need to be thinking about how do these systems integrate because I think that was the other trend sure. is that if a content marketing platform is going to survive, it has to be able to to hand things back mm-hmm. and forth with either another MRM system, uh, a CMS. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you see all these these alliances that get created, you know, where, mm. um, you know, the various web content management systems have, you know, either attached themselves to a set of uh, MRM or content marketing systems so mm-hmm. that they've got the, the, the hard-coded um, interfaces and they've made, they're mm-hmm. trying to make it as easy as possible to have that more holistic approach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we got very technical, or not very technical. I mean, we got very detailed in in the in the in the Martech topic there quite quickly. But from are we going to be able- not very good for right before cocktail time? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe bad, but certainly not good for right afterwards. So, from when it comes to content multi platforms, and I really should have done a bit more research uh, before I talk to you about anything. Um, and, and so, because also what they're introducing into these, aren't they, is to, is a way of sort of optimizing the copy and using AI and all that kind of stuff. So, I should imagine that um, it's a topic for people to get into. But basically, it's it's the usual MarTech response of you need to understand your requirements before you go do one of these things, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> understand your requirements and understand what you've got. Yeah, and uh, the needs of the team that you're working with um, yeah. before you get into it. And uh, yeah, and that that requires a lot of homework. And mm-hmm. um, all right, so is this are we going to consider content marketing platforms which seem to have a need just it seems like uh some work to be done there do we consider it to be a one-hit wonder or wonder you know i would say the jury is out as it as these may evolve to mm-hmm. uh into other uh, types of products but i would say yeah. for right now they're they they they've been riding the hype cycle so that kind of makes them a one-hit wonder Right. But we think that as they go through that, something better is going to come out the other end. Yeah. Once they get bought, <laughs> the technology gets absorbed into another set of tools. Yes, absolutely. Something better will come out the other end. And as I've identified on this show before, you are our resident expert on One Hit Wonders. So what, what, are, we, what are we going I, for this week? So I'm going for this week, uh, Video Killed the Radio Star. <laughs> um, a couple of reasons. And, you know, I didn't, actually, I didn't realize yeah. these reasons. The buckles. Doing again, but it's like, it does talk about how technology has come in and interrupted something. And, but, yeah. but now I understand what you need. Yeah. Um, the other thing is that, is that um, there's still a lot of radio stars out there. There's still people listening to radio. Yeah. So video never really killed it. It didn't, nope. this came out in, you know, this was uh, the buggles in 1979. Yeah. So right at the beginning of the MTV wave. So, yeah. uh, and what is MTV doing today? Not not a lot of music videos. So, <laughs> so video didn't kill the radio star, and we're not sure that this latest Martech TLA will kill the CMS star. star. No, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that. But but, it, but something good might come out of it, and it might be that we'll still be humming the tune of content marketing platforms. In how many years has it been since video killed the radio star? Twenty years, thirty years. So uh, maybe we're going to be. Uh, We'll time. still be humming that tune. We can't yeah. figure out how long ago that was. It was so long ago. <laughs> no, you said you said seventy nine. So that's uh, that's um, that's forty years. 
two years. Good Lord. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll be playing out with that, Jeff. Thank you very much for that memory. And um, will I see you again next week, mate? Yes. Good. And we'll think of uh, we'll, we'll think of a different topic. And I'll see you then. Okay. Cheers, buddy. Bye-bye. I heard you on the wireless back in 52. Lying awake intently tuning in on you. If I was young, it didn't stop you coming through. Thanks, Jeff. A potential one-hit wonder to the tune of Video Killed the Radio Star by the Buggles. Uh, that tune just makes me laugh. Marketing technology is a rich vein of discussion, especially content technologies. That's hard to capture in 15 minutes, and I'm sure we will return to that topic. Let us know what you think. We are Rockstar CMO on Twitter and LinkedIn. On to our guest. We are sticking with the marketing technology theme and a company that addresses the very issues that Jeff and I were discussing. As I meet Ed Briot, the CMO of Aprimo, a SaaS digital asset management and work management solution, a vendor that Forrester considered to be the leader in the marketing resource management category. As you'll hear, Ed is an accomplished marketing and software executive and has close to 20 years of business transformation and marketing experience, much of it working through the ranks of Aprimo. And their journey from being an independent business that was acquired by Teradata, then five years ago with Ed leading marketing, the Aprimo name returned, back as an independent company, becoming an acquirer themselves of Adam, a well-recognised Dan vendor. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome, Ed, to Rockstar CMO FM. How are you? Doing well, Ian. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. And um, for people that don't know you, Ed, uh, you're the CMO of um, Aprimo. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, no, I think that is pretty much who I am. Uh, (laughs) uh, CMO, Especially in lockdown, right? That's all we do. We're just our work. We're just our job. I pretty much have one mode right now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Pretty much one mode, and uh, yeah, that's my passion. And uh, mm-hmm. I've actually been with uh, a Prima for about fifteen years now in various roles. Yeah, and so uh, I wasn't always the CMO, but I always aspired to be the CMO and uh, worked uh, all aspects of um, you know the company. Uh, mm-hmm. so got to see the full full view of what it would be like to be a customer too. Yeah, yeah, cool. And um, for people that don't know Aprimo, I mean, you guys have been around forever. I, I know you quite well, but um, what is it What is it that Aprimo actually do? Absolutely. Today, we are uh, digital asset management uh, for customer experience and marketing work management. And what we've done is we've brought these those two worlds together mm-hmm. uh, for what we call content operations. Mm-hmm. And what that's really allowing organizations to do, and we could talk a little bit about how we got here, but for brands like the Home Depot or Dolby be experience driven organizations where they yeah. use lots of content to connect, build an audience. Yeah. And along that, uh, that content life cycle, there's accountability mm-hmm. and return on investment. And, um, we, we provide the, the technology that plugs into the tech stack, mm-hmm. the web CMS, the up, upstream ERP systems. That's really yeah. the heart that pumps the content blood through. An enterprise. Oh, very cool. So, um, so you 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 mentioned it as marketing um, work management, and you and you mentioned it as content operations. Both things like really appeal to me. I, I, I like the sound of those things. Um, is it? It, um, you know, there's a lot of smaller tools around that t- talk about being marketing content marketing engines, don't they? And they're, they're sort of kind of WordPressy based. Is it that same kind of um, idea, but at an enterprise scale? It is very, yeah, at an enterprise scale, wherever there's content complexity, yeah. and you need to have, like some of our customers, well, a lot of our customers are in regulated industries, so yeah. sciences and financial services, yeah. and there's, a, there's added layers of uh, accountability that they have, whether that's in pharma, medical, legal, regulatory mm-hmm. processes, where they have to have substantiated um, uh, claims and references. Mm-hmm clinical trials that go along with what a B2B marketer like me, I could pretty much print anything. on. (laughs) They need all of the substantive uh, uh, 
uh, research information yeah. and the, you know, the, those who are medical experts and uh, the lawyers to sign off uh, as well as, you know, banks. And there's a lot of uh, just brand uh, management and compliance needs. Um, mm. So it's at that layer of complexity, but it's, you know, simplified uh, sophistication and as from a user standpoint. I love that. And I also, I like your comparison with us as B2B marketers, especially in tech where we can, we roll our eyes if we have to talk to a product manager about getting the facts right. Right. But if you're, if you're in pharma, you know, you, you're not publishing anything for a while. So that's, yeah. that's a big old process to manage, isn't it? I so love you, the email that says, Ed, this is, this is, we can't actually, or, you know, we're a little bit, you know, changing this word. <laughs> But with with my customers, they get yeah. fines. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Time puts you out of business. Fines. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. So you talked about this aspiration to become the CMO of a Primo, which I think is fantastic. What actually got you into marketing in the first place? What inspired you there? Yeah, it's a. Uh, I would say that I threw myself into it uh, in education. I went to uh, university. I studied marketing in, in uh, at Bowling Green State University, yeah. uh, marketing and business, and there was actually a field called management information systems. Yeah. Love technology, and uh, actually had e-commerce classes in college, uh, had web design classes, but then I also had like accounting and finance and economics. Wow. So it was so I started there and actually got internships uh, while I was. Uh, university with like uh, Intel Corporation mm. and uh, a nuclear energy company for marketing. So I, I kind of signed up for it, I guess, but uh, yeah. that's, that's kind of where it started. Yeah, that's cool. And um, I'm not sharing the video here, but you're all branded up. I love that as well. You've got the Primo stuff on. So <laughs> you're definitely the CMO. Um, and I think you're the first, you might even be the first person, May 2nd, of all the interviews that I've done where somebody's purposefully got into marketing. I talk to so many people that are accident, yeah. not accidentally, but they find themselves in marketing. So, yeah. and I was going to ask you, are you self taught? Are you classically trained? Because a couple of weeks ago, Jeff, who we both know, uh, we, me, me and him were talking about marketing education. So you'd be, you'd be an advocate of that, wouldn't you, of, of getting a marketing education? Yeah. And I would say if, um, I, I'm, I would be C, it's not A or B. It would, it's actually both. Yeah. Um, so I would say that, um, yeah, the education piece, you know, it's, mm. it's, it's really important, but it's so different now if, you know, obviously, mm. you know, like the price place promotion, you know, yeah. The, the, yeah. four, you know, the four piece, sort of some of that, uh, but it's, it's very different now. Um, so mm -hmm. yeah, definitely, uh, I think everybody should get educated in marketing. Uh, mm -hmm. if you're ever going to buy a product, uh, in your life, it's, it's like that, um, in high school where, you know, maybe we had the, uh, personal finance class. We need to have the yeah. personal marketing class Yeah, yeah. Uh, where we understand what is all this stuff and what is marketing and, um, yeah. so yeah, I'm definitely all about education. Um, but then also self-taught. Yeah. Um, I actually was in a, a band growing up, so I was the market <laughs> marketer of the band. I was the yeah. guy doing the promotions and I had our yeah. MySpace accounts and emailing, nice. uh, you know, making the links and connections and sticking the flyers up and, uh, yeah. but then also, um, uh, self-taught in terms of working with customers as well. Yeah. Cause I, I assumed, you know, I was in consulting there for a while as well. Yeah. So I worked with some, some of the world's like coolest brands, um, forging my career. And I assumed their business problems and helped them solve that. So on the job, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I've had two guests that learned their marketing chops through the music industry. Um, Pete oh, yeah. Morgan at Metia uh, ran yeah. his own record company, and Amber Osborne early in the day. Um, she's 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 fascinating. She's Miss Destructo on Twitter. So if you see Miss Destructo, and and um, she she learned marketing from uh, from uh, promoting a band as well. So I think there's something in the music industry that brings out the marketers in people by the sounds of things. Absolutely. The yeah. The parallels are the same. There's an audience. Yeah. There, there's a message and yeah. there's a medium. And that's yeah. pretty much marketing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but it, I mean, a primo, it, it's no secret, I guess, from, from, from coming out of Teradata, it's been quite a journey for you guys. And when, when I was surprised that Jeff needed to introduce me to you because I felt like we should have already known each other. But when Jeff introduced yeah. me to you, he told me that you were instrumental in a Primo's recent resurgence. And he knows a thing or two, does Jeff Clark. Um, yeah. Tell us about that. What, what's been your secret?
secret of, of how you've moved Primo forward in the last few years. Yeah. And I think what's interesting, like I mentioned, 15 years with the brand through startup days, rapid growth. Uh, we w- tried to go public a couple times, but um, you know, we had the, some financial crises going on. So we pulled our S1 out. Uh, we were then acquired by Teradata, as you mentioned. So yeah. we through an acquisition, uh, pulled into a much larger company uh, for five yeah. years and went in Teradata that killed the Aprima brand and yeah. sort of call it, lost its way. And when I found out that uh, Teradata wanted to get back to its core business because it mm-hmm. had that thing going on that it was competing with called Amazon, um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. I was like, I want to be part of that team. So I was actually part of the team to divest out. And yeah. um, I've ever since coming out, like the the opportunity to be a reborn brand and carry mm-hmm. the torch from the initial, the original founders of the company who had yeah. that startup founder passion yeah. to pull that through and to do it, you know, my own version of restarting up something. Yeah. I was super passionate, completely on board uh, in doing that. And, um, uh, and just, you know, today still that, that person. Yeah. That, what a great project. Yeah. yeah. What a great project. Did you work for Paige O'Neill at that time? Uh, she was our head of marketing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Cause I worked for her at SDL as well. So I knew we knew yeah. loads of new people. I, I, let's not go into, into, into those details, but, um, I also am talking about, um, this new role and you're, you're growing your team too. I, I saw on yeah. LinkedIn that you're hiring. What, what, what are the folks I always like to promote people who are hiring. So what are the, what are the folks you're looking for? Yeah, absolutely. We're doing a lot of um, investment right now. And mm-hmm. I am really growing. Well, as a business, we're growing our go to market teams. Yeah. And um, we've, uh, I am personally hiring for uh, a lot of marketing operations mm-hmm. uh, and sales development. So I have our inside sales organization, our, our BDRs and SDRs. So I'm hiring there, mm-hmm. uh, as well as uh, marketing operations. So it's kind of yeah. cool. It's like, marketing leader and marketing operations. I need yeah. like a marketing operations leader. It's a kind of a meta role, if you yeah. will. Uh, so that's where I'm hiring. Uh, yeah. Today. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's interesting. And it sounds like a great opportunity there. And I'll include a link to that in the, in the show yeah. notes as well. I've already um, stuck it out there on LinkedIn. It was, it's always great to see good people that are hiring. Um, but back to, um, back to the secret of, of your success at a Primo, what do you think is key to good B2B marketers for other, what would you suggest that people emulate, emulate uh, B2B marketers that are listening? Yeah, I think it's really three things. It's knowing it, cause it's things move and they're mm-hmm. never, the only thing that's constant is, is change. So it's really understanding your, uh, strategic relevance of yeah. what you do, uh, your differentiation in the market, and then having the value and or ROI associated with your value proposition really well understood and knowing that there's a market for it mm-hmm. and knowing that if you're either trying to grow it or, or uh, advance it, making sure that those three things are always moving along that complete you know customer yeah. journey from you know, the, yep. the potential out there, that total addressable all the way down to them becoming uh, a customer who's giving you that super high NPS rating. Yeah. Yeah. And you must have felt that when you, when you thought this was a great project to get involved with as, a, as you moved out of Teradata. So what were the clues to you that those things were in place? Like as when, on Rockstar CMO, we sometimes talk about the rider, you know, what was, what was it, what was on your rider that needed to be in place for you to, to hook into that project? Well, did, mm-hmm. did you see that then? Did you see all of that then? I did. Yeah. We wanted to get into, we, during, um, at, at that time we had so many, we knew we needed to get into the content space more. Yeah. Content was growing. You know, folks thought it was data. You know, we didn't have enough yeah. data. Then there was like a big data. Yeah. Right? There was, um, volume, variety, velocity, veracity of data. <laughs> now that data, yes, the data, but the content, yeah. oh my. Yeah. The volume, yeah. the variety, the velocity, the veracity, that truth in content. It was a switch to content. And yeah. the charter for me was reposition a Primo out in the market as an experienced brand. Mm-hmm. And that was super cool. And I had a great team of folks. Yeah. I had just amazing uh, individuals surrounding me that also had that. And then I said, yeah, I've got the the team to yeah. do it. Let's, let's move and let's, you yeah. know, invest. A portion of our lives in this. 
Yeah, I mean, you're you're um, preaching to the converted in terms of content. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a content guy, absolutely. And I also noticed that trend where everybody's focusing on understanding the customer really well and going into that detail and, and the big data stuff and having no idea about what content they were going to serve them once they knew who they were. I mean, it's, it's incredible that people don't pay attention to uh, their content operations or knowing what content they have. And they're just constantly reinventing. Yeah. You know, I need something for this particular audience. Well, did, did you know what you've got? <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. And it's often, uh, it's, you know, we, some folks think they don't have enough content, but what they yeah. don't have to use what they have really yeah. well. Yeah. Reuse, remix, repurpose, yeah, reimagine, yeah. reimagine, right? What's old yeah. is new again with a little bit of uh, regret. Yeah. Absolutely. Especially in our industry. I mean, when yeah. you've been around for a bit, you hear something again, you're like, no, this is still absolutely relevant. People haven't solved these problems. And you can, when you, when you're selling B2B anyway, anyway, I just realized that the time I, I am enjoying this conversation. Ed. So I'm going to get to our final question. Um, we have a regular feature on Rockstar CMO called the swimming pool. It's our portal to hell where we chuck all the BS snake oil and overhyped trends. What would you nominate for us to throw into that swimming pool? Yeah, I would. So with my team from a B2B standpoint, if mm -hmm. we're not doing things that are worth paying for, we're, let's not do them. So I think it's low intent activity of any sort. Yeah, I love that. So so you, you um, who I'm trying to remember who originally coined that, that when you're content marketing, if somebody, if somebody misses it or it'd be worth paying for and then it's worth doing. Is that it's, the ethos you're living by? Absolutely. I definitely yeah. did not invent it. I don't want to say that, but that is the ethos on everything that we do. Yeah. Everything from whether that's our inbound marketing or outbound marketing or customer marketing, yeah. it's the value exchange, right? Because yeah. I'm very aware of this concept around digital sameness, especially right now. And there's just so much going on. Yeah. We're competing for time and attention from folks who are buying boxes and boxes off of Amazon at work mm -hmm. and they're watching Netflix and mm -hmm. they're, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Digital sameness. So how do you pattern disrupt? How do you stand out? Yeah. Well, you've got something valuable that says, okay, I'll, you know, I'll stop shopping on Amazon and I'll, you know, yeah. watch your email or your video that you sent me or yeah. consume your, uh, your content piece. Yeah. That's worth paying for. I love that. I love that. I especially love that coming from the CMO because quite often the people in the team are just running around on the hamster wheel to produce stuff yeah. so that yeah. they can get their campaigns out because they're, they're, they feel like they're rewarded by the number of campaigns they do or the amount of stuff they do rather than taking that time to do the good stuff. So I think that's excellent. Thank you very much, Ed. And that will definitely uh, be finding itself into our into our swimming pool for sure so if um if well i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna include a link in the show notes to where you're hiring so they can find out where the jobs but if they were to spin the dial on the interwebs where would they find you ed linkedin linkedin yeah linkedin that's, that's where it's at um my number one social uh platform to connect so mm -hmm. yeah, very happy to continue the conversation there Splendid. Well, I'll include your link to LinkedIn in the show notes and, of course, links to a primo and to your careers page. Uh, and I look forward to speaking to you again, Ed. Thank you very much for being on the show. Thanks, Ian. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you, Ed. It was a pleasure to meet him. And as you heard, he's hiring. I will, of course, include links to Ed and a primo and those roles in the show notes. Right, a year on, I'm still in lockdown and looking for an escape from Zoom. And where better to escape than in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar? And join my friend and content marketing guru, Robert Rose. Good evening, Robert. What are you drinking? Oh, hello, my friend. I, I, I'm going to take a wild guess and say that you're glad to be in the bar this Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Robert, when it comes to spending time with you, mate, I'm always pleased to be in the bar. But well, yes, it should another be another trying week. Uh, yeah, <laughs> another trying week. <laughs> that should be the name of our book, right? <laughs> another trying week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, well, we have a, you know, we have very nice, uh, I think you're gonna, you're gonna like this. This is a, as pure as it gets. I have mm -hmm. discovered a, uh, new tequila, Ooh. um, that is 
so whiskey like it, it is it is it is definitely my new favorite uh when mm-hmm. it comes to uh very whiskey aged tequilas mm-hmm. and if you're a bourbon lover or a whiskey lover mm-hmm. this is going to be something that you're really going to like um mm-hmm. i don't really have a name for it because it's just all it is is this it, the the name of the tequila is Leyenda del milagro mm-hmm. um and it is a single barrel reserve uh yeah. tequila uh extra anejo uh and mm-hmm. it's just it's just a beautiful beautiful wonderful thing so yeah uh, pour it over ice and sip accordingly Nice, very nice, amazing. Really, what they can do with tequila, isn't it? It is. It is truly, and and what has been done right over the last number of years, where it has become such a high end yeah. drink. And yeah, 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 exactly. Certainly not the tequila of my youth. <laughs> no, or how no, there people you go. used to treat it. Anyway, <laughs> well, um, obviously, um, despite all the advances in tequila, and that uh, it is clearly the classy gentleman content marketing gentleman drink of choice i i'm sticking <laughs> to my i'm sticking to my sip smiths uh which is of course uh london dry gin and oh, I, I all right and i haven't there's a little count thing I, I should try another gin with a stopper in it so we get some nice sound effects going on oh hang on a minute did you put ice in that i did yes i did i okay. did put it over the rocks yeah and uh, there you go a couple i uh, indeed yeah Jolly good. Well, I've got the ice in. I can pot a bit of gin in. It's Friday, after all. Ooh, that's uh, good. And oh, spill a bit there. Uh, and then uh, you put nothing else in, right? I, nothing else. That's nothing I, else. not even a little lime. You, you normally you would put a little lime in there, but yeah, not even some. Hang on a minute. Tonic. Oh, fizzed a little bit there. I, I I I have to add a little bit of tonic to this this gin because it doesn't have that smoky bourbonness that you were just talking about. Let me see if I can give this a taste and see if I can detect that. Mmm, that's very nice, Robert. I do like that. What did you call it again? The, uh, this well, the the name of the tequila mm-hmm. is uh, Leyenda del Milagro. Nice. Um, and you have to do it with that uh, wonderful little lilt of the uh, <laughs> Spanish there. Um, you know, I don't think I could quite pick that up, but um, yeah. certainly, certainly, this is delicious. Thank you very much. And um, and this week, and oh yes, and of course, I could drink these every week. Oh. Um, <laughs> whereabouts would we be sampling these then, Robert, this week? You know, I think we have to go to Mexico for this mm. um i am god i can't tell you how how much i am longing to go get out of this house um yeah. <laughs> and travel a little bit um and you guys haven't been as badly locked down as are you in are you in full lockdown again no well we've just come out of it actually literally right. this week was our first week here in california of yeah. of coming out of um uh a uh, full lockdown and we've moved to what's called the um, red zone, I think it's called, oh, which true. sounds horrible, but it's but it's yeah. it's not as bad Much as the better. purple zone, you know, right? But, yeah, um, yeah. So it's the it's basically what they've done is they've now reopened uh, inside restaurants. Um, they've reopened. Wow. You can get your hair cut. You can go to the gym. All of them with capacity limits, right? So yeah, um, restaurants can only have like twenty percent and so on and so forth. But um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's uh, sounds like heaven to me. I, I think we. I don't. I'm not going to have somebody else pour a pint for me that's not in my house <laughs> until well, May. You, you just posted on Facebook. Yeah, the, yeah. the that was me pouring. Yeah, that was me pouring a Guinness in my own house. So when you when you when you liked it, I was saying you know uh, uh, that you're looking forward to it, man. I'm looking forward to when somebody else pours that from a tap that was out of a can, but. Uh, yeah, so you're, we're in Mexico. We're going to Mexico. Are we're we? going whereabouts to Mexico. In, whereabouts are we in Mexico? <clears throat> well, there is a place um, that uh, that we should go for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called mm-hmm. Tulum, um, uh-huh. and it is just an absolutely spectacular place. Um, it's on. It's not on the Pacific side. It's the other side of, yeah. of Mexico, and so it's absolutely gorgeous there. The, this is the place where. 
if you've ever seen pictures of Mexico where there is the sort of, it looks like a hole in the earth and you look down and you see the beach. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever seen that. There, there's a, yeah, word, yeah. There's yeah. a word for them and I can't, there's a Spanish word for them and I can't remember. It's yeah. sort of a formation, a geologic formation where the yeah. erosion has happened and it basically creates a hole right yeah. usually next to the water and it creates these little, you know, inlets um, of just, paradise you know a, a small beach with a um mm-hmm. you know just crystal blue water and tequila on the beach and absolutely amazing food and it and you know i mean and it, it's just an amazing place so yeah i think that's where we are is tulum that mexico nice. that sounds nice um so uh and we uh, are we are we by the sea looking out over the sea Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking out, you know, in our, you know, we're wearing those, um, you know, those sort of uh, raw silk pants with the white shirt (laughs) billowing, you know, like a pirate shirt kind of thing, billowing, (laughs) you know, tan and leathery skin. Yeah. With our hats, you know, and and the whole thing. Yeah. I'm I'm a long way from a tan. (laughs) Well, (laughs) me too, my friend. Yes, absolutely. I'm a long way from tan. That's the name of our other book. (laughs) So we've got another trying week in the sequel. I'm a long way from tan. Well, okay. So we're sitting here comparing the fact that we've now got these luxuriant tans uh, a, <laughs> what are we talking about, my friend? Um, we are talking about, well, here we are, <clears throat> Mark, just in, in, on the topic of lockdown. Yeah. <clears throat> We're a year into this. Yeah. At, almost to the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in fact, today, as we record this, uh, marks the one year to the day anniversary that actually Los Angeles went into full lockdown, mm-hmm. um, which is fascinating to me. And so it got me thinking about what we were talking about and thinking about uh, a year ago because the difference a year later is here we are we're talking about re-entry right how do we re-enter whatever normal looks like mm-hmm. and there's a discomfort with that i'm included in that by the way i'm i'm you know i've been finding myself saying to friends family anyone who'll ask like, hey, um, I don't know if I'm ready to go back to the traveling across the world and doing things yeah. in person and going, you know, I pivoted my business. I'm kind of cool where I am. I don't, you know, yeah. I don't need to change again. Yeah. And there's actually research that shows this. There's here in the U.S. anyway, that um, one of the uh, psychological associations reported that there was half, half of the U.S. population is uncomfortable right now going back to living life like they used to. Mm -hmm. And I think that's going to be an issue, right? I think there's going to be both the pent-up demand, which I'm definitely seeing is pent-up demand (laughs) to to go do things. But then there's also this sort of uncertainty about, well, what does it mean to go to a conference? What does it mean to go to a client, you know, office? What does it mean to actually get back into into the drive? And the interesting thing is I'm actually know this and just sort of bringing this back to marketing. Yeah. What I'm finding is, is that both of those, that tension, right. At, you know, on, on, on either side between, mm-hmm. I don't want to go back versus pent up demand. Well, now I'm just seeing in, in our clients and just all over the place, this real like rush to do something productive right mm-hmm. to, to to do something you know I, you know it's like all of a sudden the phone is ringing off the hook with you know well where is that digital asset management project where is that website mm-hmm. redesign where is our advertising strategy now that cookies are going away what is mm-hmm. our clubhouse strategy what which, when when are we writing that next white paper that on nfts and you know yeah. <laughs> all this stuff is everybody is looking for the signal right everybody's like i'm trying yeah. to find direction and signal and much less noise and the fascinating thing to me is that this is exactly where we were a year ago, right? Mm-hmm. The, just the the thing is different. The monster is different, right? Mm-hmm. At, you know, this uncertainty that we feel ourselves in, which is the uncertainty of the future and that craving for signal. Mm-hmm. There it was about a big monster called COVID and we didn't know what it was going to do to change the, you know, change our life. Now we have this 
maybe not monster is the right word, but the re-entry of normalcy. And we're thinking to ourselves, how is that going to change the normalcy of my life? So we're at these pivot points, which are the exact same pivot points, which is how are we going to change? Yeah. But the, but the monster is very different. And, you know, what I've been finding some level of comfort and success in is stopping for a moment and stop trying to predict what it is we need to do next or what's coming next, like predicting Uh the future, but actually reflecting on, well, how am I changing, right? How am I, how am I prepared to change within the context of whatever comes next? So that's what it's on my mind. Yeah, no, I like that. And and I think that um, that that's a big, I mean, it's a big question for like cities, not just for marketers, right? Is what's going to, what's the new city going to look like? Are people going to want to commute? But I also think on the point you were saying about conferences and, and you as a, a speaker must be wondering what's going to happen next because um, have, are, are our superiors going to go, well, we seem to have co- coped quite well without you traveling around. And, you know, I mean, right, not exactly, you, I right. mean, people like myself you know what why do you need to go there and it's like well i gotta go and network and that you know <laughs> it's like, <Yeah>. really <laughs> right. and so i think that's going to be the, the interesting push pull about it isn't it because it's whether people are willing to do it is going to be one thing but also whether the business culture has changed and that people may question these things a little bit more um because we've not needed to do them for a year and the world didn't end or well you know <laughs> broadly speaking (laughs) yeah well you know and how you know and some of the good things that have come from this right yeah yeah you know i mean i was telling someone the other day that you know i'm I'm, look i sit in a very privileged place um you know as you and i have talked about before what we do for a living is not frontline worker stuff right i mean we're not out there you know we're not out there dealing uh, you know, in hospitals or in the mm-hmm. military or, you know, mm-hmm. on the front lines of anything, quite frankly, other than, yeah. oh, my goodness, the website's broken. You know, yeah, it's like, yeah. you know, it's like, yeah. relax. Yeah. <laughs> so, but that doesn't mean that we don't feel pressure. Yeah. But what it also means is, is that in many ways, one of the things that I've discovered over the last year is that there are there are so, you know, I, in many ways, I'm grateful for the lockdown. I'm certainly not grateful for the disease that uh-huh. caused uh-huh. it, but I am grateful for the illumination because what it told me, what it taught me was, you know, we typically have this mental list, right? You know, that we've got on our big brain whiteboard that we keep in the back of our brain of all the things that we assume have to be true in order for us to be successful. Mm-hmm. You know, this has to be true. I have to travel 200,000 yes. miles a year. Uh, yeah. I have to, you know, close this much business. I have to do these conferences in order to market. I have to write this much yeah. material. I have to participate on every social media channel. I have to, yeah. you know, this, and we all have it, right? We all have this yeah. long list of things that we make assumptions about that have to be true in order for us to be successful. And What you discover when you go through something like the last year is that how much of that list on that whiteboard is just simply not true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 And I think we, we saw that. Uh, Well, you're seeing it now a little bit, isn't it? The the people are sort of reporting on social, like I, um, this is the first time that I haven't been on a plane for a year or this. And at the beginning it was like, this is the first time I haven't been on a plane for six weeks. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, it's, and, 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 and you have people really, really annoyed that their airlines aren't honoring their status, you know, that they're letting their status run out. And then other people that are delighted that their airliners are giving them another year. And you're thinking, well, you know, that's an, in, you were in an interesting hamster wheel there. We will, we've all been on it. Like the, the, the whole, you know, um, gaining status so that, you travel a lot to gain status so that when you travel a lot, it's nicer. <laughs> so, and, um, you know, so, and, and, and we're, and that stopped. So, yeah. And, and people, people judge themselves by those status things, don't they? They do. They do. Absolutely. Yeah. And they, yeah. and, and I think we judge our, you know, this is what was so fascinating to me because I actually went through the exercise of listing all those things out. I mean, I, I you wow. know, I had them in my mental brain, but I, I actually mm-hmm. went to the, 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 I don't know, trouble is the right word, but, but I went yeah. to the effort anyway of, of writing them all out. 
and scratching off all the ones that I thought, you know, that, that turned out to not be true. And, but, but, but what is fascinating to me is how much, you know, if, if you go, if you sort of step back from that whiteboard and after you've crossed them all out and go, huh, what are all the things now that I believe yeah. that are true yeah. that will ultimately prove not to be? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and and so yeah. what are the you know what are the assumptions I'm making yeah. now that are actually, you know, that are actually going to turn out to be not in my best interest, yeah. and that's that can be an overwhelming question, right? Yeah. Because there are so many things that we operate from professionally in our families and and the mm. way that we you know that we the way that we guide our businesses, yeah. the way that we guide our you know friendships, all of those things where we make, you know, we create these rules um, about the way that we will behave given certain contexts. Mm-hmm. And so many of them will turn out to not be true. And I, th- mm-hmm. and, and the, the challenge is, you know, how, how do you, knowing that so many of them will turn out to not be right, you know, yeah. how, how do you keep going? You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> you know? But of course you do, right? Yeah. You keep going, right? You, you, yeah. you totally keep going because all this is, is learning, right? All it yeah. is, is learning and, and, and being, and being flexible to change, you know, and, and somebody was, you know, I mean, I, this may be too cute or the, you know, this is my tweetable moment, if you will. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, last year when I wrote about this stuff, um, somebody asked me about resilience yeah. and, and they said, how do we bounce back? And I said, resilience isn't about bouncing back. It's about bouncing forward. Oh, nice. And, and, and so yeah. that's, that's the real key here, right? You're, you're yeah. not a rubber band, yeah. you know, you're, you're, you know, we've got to figure out a way to, not go back to where we were, but to rather, yeah. how do we, how do we take, you know, progressive steps forward? Yeah, no, that's a brilliant thought. And it's, well, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a brilliant thought in that absolutely the, 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 we should look at how the, our worlds have changed and that um, be ready for the next one rather than be fixed in these assumptions and values that we have for ourselves, but also it does add a little bit of uncertainty into how we're rating our lives and what we're going to think of next. So, so I love that thought. Thank you very much for that. Yeah, absolutely. A pleasure. And you mentioned you had shared this before. Where might you have shared that? I have shared this on my, our website, of course, mm-hmm. which is uh, our little hovel uh, on the <laughs> internet, which is called uh, contentadvisory.net. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, and I've shared it with our audience, of course, at uh, Content Marketing Institute as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then, you know, it's, it's, it's part of what I do, you know, and uh, on a, yeah. well, now I used to be, I used to think of it on a weekly basis, but if you go to our website, you'll see it hasn't, <laughs> it hasn't been quite as frequent of that, late. That yeah. is a classic cobbler's shoes. Man. Yes. Yes, it is. It is a total excuse. It's absolutely <laughs> rationalization. I have no, ex- I have no real excuse. I, sh- I'm, I'm should be ashamed of myself. <laughs> and if they spin the dial on the interwebs, where are they going to find you? They're going to find us on Twitter. Um, yep. of course, um, they'll find us on, uh, LinkedIn, um, and, uh, you know, just, you know, <laughs> and occasionally on that disaster that's waiting to happen called Clubhouse. Oh, <laughs> you can't have a podcast episode without the mention of Clubhouse. So thank you very much. That's for right. That yeah, you bet. You bet. You bet. And, uh, and aside from not seeing you in Clubhouse, uh, will you be returning to the bar next week? I will indeed, of course. I look forward to it, my friend. And yeah. I'll see you next week. You will. Thank you, Robert. And how do you feel about 2021 when we get on top of this pandemic? Will it be the start of the roaring 20s? Or do we now have more conservative habits that just won't change? Anyway, I'll include all of Robert's links in the show notes, including the work he does for the Content Marketing Institute. Well worth a look at that. So that's a wrap on episode 54 of the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. Thank you for dropping a dime into your podcasting jukebox, selecting our track, and driving along with us. I hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks again to Jeff, Ed, and Robert. Please check out the links in the show notes. Click them, follow them, take a look at their work and share it. I really appreciate their time. You can find the show notes on your favourite podcasting platform or at rockstarcmo.com. 
our shiny new website for this podcast, where you can also find all our previous episodes. So, does the world need another effing marketing podcast? Please let me know. Leave a review, subscribe, share, get in touch. You can find us at Rockstar CMO on Twitter and LinkedIn, or just keep listening. I'm glad you're here. Next week, Jeff and I will pick a new topic and decide if it's a one-hit wonder or wonder walk. I'm chatting to friend of the show, Irene Naircorn-Kane, Director of Marketing at Exact Tag. And Robert Rose will be back in our virtual Rockstar CMO bar. Until then, I've been your host, Ian Truscott, and I hope you'll again join us next week here at Rockstar CMO FM. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.